3: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes.
4: All right. Yeah, I know. (laughs)
0: Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum, dum de dum -dum de dum Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum, dum-de-diddly-dum. Dum-de-diddly-dum, did-diddly-dum, did dum dum de Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum,
4: dum
5: dum de dum dum Oh, that was some with some gusto, our loose. But there was somebody who was decidably flat. I wonder who that was. But I do Somebody really went for the rum, didn't they, in that? Thank you, everybody that went along to the Dum-de-Dum Archers uh, BBC Tour, which was just Saturday, just gone, but oh, gone loose. Now, I tell you, all manner of tomfooler and confusion was had prior to that event, because we pushed back, haven't we, the date of our Dum uh, dummy yes. to November. So there yes. were people coming from left and right, from north, east and south and west of the United Kingdom. We're like, can I still go to the Archers tour? Can I go for dinner? Can I? But anyway, the tour went on and it was awesome by all accounts. So um, we're going to see you in November the 9th, everybody. It's going to be Lucy and I live yes. with a bit of Naked Fingers and no doubt one or two of, of the Archers. Archers, actors, but that was a rendition, a dumby dum from the people that went to the studio tour uh, on Saturday. But folks, this is Dumby Dum, the show at the Reality darky Drama are centered in Ambridge, in the heart of the Midlands, the place that I call home. I'm the avant garde installation that is Royfield Brown. I should avant garde. I should have said really installation that is Royfield <laughs> Brown. And with me, uh, the roller gaffer tape that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Emperor Russ's new close, folks, is, you know, this week's Dumpty Dum, as I said, was from the assembled, assorted hodgepodge of Dumpty Dummers that went along to the BBC Archers tour. Now, Lucy, if somebody would like to send in a ramshackle, maybe even a polished Dumpty Dum, how can they do that?
6: If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe via the site... Um, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs. Shambridge for her voices. Mike Hatton for his character counts. And to Derek, in the loaded back bedroom. Um, Derek is extremely grumpy today, as you know. He reads the uh, the Mirror newspaper, and he's a big fan of Mystic Meg, who's uh, the Mirror astrologer. Uh, but he's a bit upset today because today she told him this week is going to be difficult and painful as Saturn enters Uranus. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I love that astrological uh, gag well done you Lucy now folks on this week's episode we've got calls Lucy we have calls we have calls from Carol, Catherine, Monty, Andrew Jojo, Welsh, Witch, Vicky Witherspoon and Emily but first before all that folks brace yourself if you're in public if you're in a public space sit down it's our loose and a week in Ambridge (laughs)
6: This Week in Ambridge was brought to you by Stress and Cheese. The stress was hard to listen to and the cheese (laughs) sounded horrible to eat. so it wasn't the best week, really. We began it at the cricket. Chris Carter, who sounds about 43, insists on calling Tracy Horribin auntie, which means she sounds 72. Anyway, it was his turn, it was her turn, to receive one of Will Grunty's pre-printed apology cards. It was taking up most of his time being rude to people, then leaving it three hours, then having to find them again and apologize. So now he's just had cards printed that say, um, i really sorry about before. I shouldn't have said what I did. I was just sad slash spoiled slash misogynist slash tired slash moronic. Delete where applicable. Let me buy you a pint slash camping holiday to make up for it. Light relief, <laughs> thank God, was offered by Kenton Jolene and her photo shoot. Uh, Kenton was reluctant to cough up for some leather-jacketed nurk to come round, cover the lens in Vaseline and take photos of Jolene pouting in PVC trousers. She tried putting the pressure on and even offered Kenton pulled pork as an incentive, but he was fine. (laughs) So then she got (laughs) shirty. Well done. So then she got shirty and said, it's not about the length of your lens. It's what you do with it that counts. And then completely hey. went against that and said, Richard Thwaites got a really long one and he's going to do it while his wife's away. And Kenton said, oh, all right then. And she hugged him and he said, get off, you're crushing my peanuts. And that was the end of that 1970 sitcom. <laughs> Actually, the whole thing started because Jolene wants to play Name That Tune at the Bull Quiz Night. If Jolene's singing, they couldn't name that tune if they had a sheet with the lyrics on them. In other sitcom tropes, we had the reluctant birthday boy. We're having one of these scenes once every three weeks in Ambridge at the moment. It goes like this. Family member remembers other family member has birthday coming up birthday person says, I don't want to fuss. Family member says, yes, you do. There is a short and boring argument. Then family member ignores birthday person's wishes and goes ahead and arranges something extremely eccentric for their birthday. It's a great success. The birthday person says, well, actually, I'm glad you did that for me, family member. See you in three weeks' time. (laughs) In this case, it was Jimmys' birthday. The cracker's idea this time, suggested naturally by Shula, was a gathering delving into his past. That sounds more like Operation u Tree than a party. Not so much who do you think you are as what the hell do you think you're doing? Anyway, the high point of the entire exchange was when Jim appeared to call Shula a collapsed Neolithic dyke. Over at Bridge Farm, <laughs> there was cheese. And- <laughs> Over at Bridge Farm, there was cheese and crying. Both of those were Helen. Good bloody job that cheese worked, eh? Otherwise the aches would be hurtling back to France on a flatbed truck with barely time to pack their rucksacks. Things were not quite so good with Tom, the lonely sausage herd. Finally, his family has caught on to the fact that Natasha has left. It takes a while for that sort of thing to sink in at Bridge Farm, as like most primitive tribes, they can only understand two concepts, Bridge Farm and Away. Has she flown on Big Metal Bird into Sky? asked Pat anxiously. No, she sodded off back to Keppel Kerrig from where her Welsh solicitor, Owen Money, will be in touch with you very shortly, Tom. He's completely baffled, poor Tom. When she signs off with a kiss, does that mean we're still married? What about regards, Natasha? The last one said, get lost cretin. Is that a good sign? He manfully ploughed through an interview about the Bridge Fresh app. Which gives a real sense of you and Natasha as a couple, said Pat. It doesn't work very well. It's easy to delete. The Brexford exhibition went ahead at Lower Loxley with Uh-oh. Russ at his pretentious best, <laughs> wafting around, pointing out bits of gaffer tape. The canopy sounded peculiar too. They seemed to feature beetroots quite heavily, so the gaffer tape might actually come in quite handy later on. After that, hey. Freddie prepared for his attic tours. He's going to exhibit Great Uncle Rupert's easel. My God, I hope the crowd can stand the excitement. Then he remembered they'd (laughs) left a dead horse up there, so they probably ought to bury that as it might put people off. They all wandered off to the folly, aptly, to dispose of poor old Topper's desiccated remains. Lily, who seems to be doing everything she can not to be in any scenes with Ross at all at the moment, for which I don't blame her in the slightest, had a little cry and remembered that Nigel used to pretend to be able to talk to Topper. Oh, yes, all that whinnying and the snorting, said Elizabeth. At least that's one tradition you've kept up, Freddie. The end.
5: <laughs> that's an awesome end, Lucy. Well done. you. So much better than last week. Tighter. Tighter than last week. Well done. Tighter. Well done. Yeah, you know nice. what? Mm. Um, what? Is it the length of the lens or is it the girth of the lens? Women always tell me it's the girth <laughs> of the lens, which is better than the actual, um, you know. Uh. Anyway, uh, Lucy, I really mm. understood every word that Russ said about Brexart. and i thought you know what you understood uh, it s- you, i understood you thought it, it sounded good. you've <laughs> well, gone i know andrew horn is going to touch on this later and maybe i will i i will chime in more then however um as as it was, when Russ was chuntering on about Brexart, I thought, well, that all makes a whole load of sense. Uh, would I want to, mm. you know, travel out to um, a stately home in the middle of nowhere to go and see it? That's another question. But as a concept, it made complete not a sense. It wasn't all gobbledygook. You know, so I, for once in my life, I agree with Shula. <laughs> it actually made sense. But anyway, whether it makes business sense, or we'll come on to later. Uh, cricket, Tracy Horribin. Being a uh, vice captain, thumbs and her up, down, what do you reckon? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
6: well, it's got to be thumbs up, just because she's she's just so awful, and Chris hates her, and so that's inherently funny. Because I loved it when she said, "He hasn't got the horrid killer instinct <laughs> no, yes, <laughs> he's
0: too—he's
6: too, he's too like his dad. That's his problem. Um, mm. she's dead right though I mean Chris is going you've got to show respect and everything and she's just like no shout at him and tell him he's fat so he misses the ball <laughs> I don't know I just really liked it I just love Tracy
5: um, me too and we'll have to get get uh, the actor that plays her back on because she did a one she stood in for you once on a on a de dum and, and she was most lovely yeah and um, I I had a five-a-side football team um when I was doing my village, we had we had my village united, and uh, the first game we played, uh, we were all men in our thirties. We all had bellies, and there were young whipper snappers of like twenty seven running rings around us. Right, Lucy. Uh, the first game we lost fifteen yeah. one. Benny, this is Benny's, Ben, is, ben Mark, this is by the side, right? And then we, I was going to say it sounds we, more like we, rugby, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then we, we, we got it together, we got tighter. I gave a real rousing speech at the start of the next game. Uh, we lost 11 1, right? Every match, we riddled it all the way down loose. I'm telling you, it was back to the wall stuff. Right, we were middle-aged men, and we weren't going to let these young, you know, twenty-eight-year-olds, you know, embarrass us anymore. We got it all the way down to the last game of the season. We lost three-two. Right, we all got fitter. We all, you know, wonderful. Then we got in a couple. These two, these two brothers—I forget their names. Let's call them Robson and Jerome, just for the sake of argument. Right, and they were bloody good first game of the next season, we won 4-1, right? I mean. But it changed the whole dynamic loose, right? They <laughs> were shouting, screaming, sledging. I know you don't sledge in football, but they were... And all of a sudden, the fun went out of it. We started winning, right? Aww. And the fun went out of it. And I had to give a captain's speech at the end of like the, the uh, one of the last games you ever played. And I says, guys, it ain't the winning, right? It actually is the taking part. This is going to sound totally naff, but it mm. is the taking part. And we're all doing this for fun. And yes, we want to win, but winning, screaming at each other, mm. calling each other an effing this because you didn't pick up the ball, I'm over here, you know, and calling the opposition mm. wankers is not a game of football mm. I want to play. Oh, yeah, here, 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 captain, here, here, captain. And, mm. the, and the two brothers look sheepishly at each other. Right. And it has to be said, right, I'm not with Chris, but I'm with Chris. Because if you're Mm. doing this for fun, you're doing this for enjoyment. I don't want any part. I I didn't want any part of that. Listening to that episode, I was so behind Tracy because I I like her as a character. She's comedic and she adds spice. You don't know what you're going to get with her. But actually, in reality, I had to call an end to sledging as well. I was completely not utterly Chris Carter. Yeah. So that brought it all the way back home to me. Right. And you know what? Playing football that whole summer, I lost what? 10 pounds. It was great. Really? We all got fitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all got fitter and it was lots of fun, but that was the thing. Fun. It didn't really matter what the result was as long as we just got better yeah. and you, and, and, and you put your back into it. So, more yeah. of tracy horobin um but less of sledge in real life that's where i sit
6: and i tell you i tell you what it says something about will grundy's parenting that he was taking advice from tracy horobin <laughs> when she was giving mm. him advice about mia i thought blimey you're in a bad way if you're taking parenting advice from tracy
5: <laughs> <laughs> true very true very true but uh i think this last week was uh ultimately, really, the, the Will Grundy week, really, wasn't it? Just like, yeah. that man, yeah, absolutely. what... What a broken, horrible, nasty individual.
0: The
6: abuse on Twitter of the character. As soon as he said that, as soon as he said, your mum would be, you know, your mum would be ashamed of you.
5: My God. But, you know, we we have to applaud the writing. It's just really well written. And I've no idea where the hell the whole thing's going. But they've set up Mia as somebody, you know, going back from the um, Valentine's Day card. Will has just let her down constantly, hasn't he? He's let her down. Yeah, and he's been odious. Yeah. whether it's with her yeah. or with you know in public, he's embarrassed her. Um, with Rory and with he does Tracy, that horrible, with... creepy
6: voice with her as well. Mm. He just can't talk it's to so her like well a normal done. person. Simon and I call it performance parenting. When you go mm. out sometimes, and uh, you see parents. Talking to their children in a way that suggests very, they so rarely spend any time with them, they have no idea who they are. And they talk <laughs> to them in this weird, slightly, mm. slightly patronizing, age inappropriate, and quite tense way. And they're mm. sort of doing it very self consciously like, look, look, I'm parenting. Aren't I being good? Aren't I saying the right thing? And it's very clear that the child's, you know, dumped on the au pair or the nanny or the whatever in the week sort of thing um mm. and uh and, and i think will does a bit of performance parenting because when he talks to her he just sounds so when he talks to any of the children he just sounds wildly inauthentic but particularly with mia it's just horrible really unpleasant
5: well he doesn't spend any time with them, does he so he would and and again it's another one there's a astute, astute sorry um Lucy Freeman observa- social observations. You're completely right. You know, we've all been out somewhere, especially at bank holidays and stuff, where families are forced to be together and, and to do something, to have fun. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, and We're there is so- yeah. <laughs> um, some parent admonishing or trying to give uh, their child or children some level of direction and whatever. And you go, oh, you know, yeah. that's not real. That, that, you know, you you, you don't actually yeah. spend any time with each other. So that is, that is yeah. well done you. Now, I've got a whole load of notes loose, which I'm going to forgo. Okay. Because we do have calls uh, this week. So why don't I do this?
6: Can, can I just say very quick? Oh.
5: <laughs> Go on.
6: No, I can't. The best bit of performance parenting I ever saw was at mm-hmm. uh, a Greek airport airport. Um, and uh, we were all – there was one of those families that you want to be when you're grown up. There's the, you know, the um, elegant grandfather wandering around in a Panama hat and a white linen suit and all that, uh, talking. <laughs> and the, the dad, still trying to impress his own dad at the age of, you know, 45, um, is talking to his little boy. And he said, how did the project – what did Miss Simpkin say about your project, Tobias? Were you the only child with your own beehive? <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> you make this stuff up oh, lucy
4: no so, i don't
6: I honestly don't and i really i really felt like abducting this child <laughs> to give him a normal childhood <laughs> oh God. you're the only one with your own
5: beehive oh, <laughs> <laughs> right uh can i press my button again
6: yes i seem to be on some sort of lag by the way
5: you are you are but don't worry in the edit process the lag will disappear don't do okay. Be a it's slightly
6: weird. I feel like
5: I'm talking to you on a satellite. We kind of are, really, but you know, we, we yeah. talk to each other on a bit of copper wire, three thousand miles long, underneath the Atlantic Ocean. So the fact that generally wow. there isn't any lag is the wonders of modern technology. So, but uh, why is there yeah. lag today? I have no idea, Lucy. But I tell you what, right? Let's ponder that whilst I press this button. Sorry. Okay.
1: Hello, Ambridge
5: three nine six two. You know, I love Dumdy Dum, right? And I love the fact that we get our new caller inners and stuff. But also, I do like to hear our recurring regulars. And here's our Vicky Cole, and she's in Colombo.
7: Hi, Lucy Royfield, and everyone. This is Vicky Cole um, in Colombo. Uh, you were quite right last week to call me out on what I said in my call, Irina. I um, said that the situation with Mia was resolved, but I didn't mean that. Of course, I didn't. I meant revealed. Um, and I hoped that Will would be able to kind of make things better. But, oh, my word, he hasn't, has he? What a <laughs> mess. Um, I I'm, mean, I'm the idea of thinking a camping holiday might be good fun with him i mean she's still going to end up doing all the work and it's a million times harder doing camping than being at home isn't it um and then what he said to on friday's episodes oh dear oh dear i couldn't bear it so i'm very upset i don't know what's going to happen now whether mia's going to leave home go and live with her dad but then i hadn't realized that she, well i suppose i did know but i didn't really register it that mia had taken will's surname so did that mean that somewhere along the line he'd formally adopted to make jake and mia i don't know and if mia does go then what's going to happen to poor little poppy oh it's just awful um oh, oh dear horrible 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 so on that note bye-bye
5: oh bye-bye vicky I didn't. I don't remember that either. And I did see on the Archer's character list that it was Mia Grundy, and I actually thought it was a mistake. I thought, oh, she's obviously not a Grundy. That somebody's just, you know, um, somebody just kind of cocked up there. But I don't think Jake is.
6: No. So is Jake a Grundy as well?
5: I don't think so. Jake was really clear, wasn't he, he? Wanted to. He like he kind of went there, slightly yeah, lived kicking with this, and screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he wanted to be yeah. back with his dad. Yeah. So hmm.
6: I, I think he's going to get some sort of call from a safeguarding person or something because she was so much so distressed. And and as I think you were about to say, if I'd had that call from my daughter staying with her stepfather, I'd have been over like a shot, saying what the bloody hell's going on, you know? And I'd have reported him. Hmm. I think.
5: The one thing which hasn't been um, probed, investigated, uh, a light being shone on, it really is the relationship between Will and Andrew. We had it a little bit a couple of years ago. Um, Andrew did turn Mm. up a couple of times, didn't he? But So we've had the whole I'm a teenage carer thing which yeah. i th- i forget what the stat was like one in 10 one in 12 something like that teenagers actually are carers mm. but considering that this is a modern blended family what we haven't got is a real investigation of the two fathers and actually how they get yeah. along rub along and and, and kind of don't yeah. and you know and again looking into my history with the fact that um i am father to four children um of which two of them have different biological fathers so let me get this right i'm dad to four i'm dad oh god even then i have to think about it you know so i have two biological children of which i'm dad and father there is another two human beings who i'm dad to but i'm not father of i do have weird and use that word advisably relationships with the other two children's biological fathers and and that's something right. which we don't generally see displayed in drama
6: weird in what you know way? the fact
5: that well because there isn't there isn't a name for the relationship there isn't a construct for how you actually behave you just have to rub along yeah type of thing and yeah. especially yeah. when you have some level of um, living arrangement or emotional relationship piece of thing so the expression baby mama baby mother right yeah. is a new construct and it means um, as a guy you've got a child with somebody but you were never actually married but there's some level of yeah. relationship and that's a, and, yeah. and 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 that has been going on for time immemorial but the the formal us say informal now formal title baby mother has only just kind of come about, let alone two guys and and one of them is parenting is in loco parentis for the other one's biological child you know and yeah. they, and and we, there's so many of these n- new relationships, blended families and stuff, so mm. I really want to see will and Andrew, and yet Andrew should not go around there and knock his block off right, not at all, but to have these two characters, these two. You know, a father and a dad of me uh, come together and to, to explore that relationship—utterly fascinating. So I say, bring Andrew in because mm. even when um, Nick died, there wasn't any Andrew, was there? It wasn't as if he turned up. And
6: yes, yes, t- yeah, they, he, he did. did. There was okay. there was conversations with him. yeah, there were conversations with him and Will sorting out who's going to go where and all that stuff.
5: You know what? You are right because that's when uh, Jake then disappeared, wasn't it? Or did he yeah. go before? No, yeah. Jake went beforehand, didn't he? Money. Well, I don't uh, know, Cosmo. but I remember. <laughs> I remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
6: Hello. I remember um, Andrew Andrew turning up and talking to Will about it.
5: There wasn't enough of it. I, I think. I think is my point. Then there wasn't yeah. enough of
8: it.
6: Will is never going to willing willingly or positively get the help he needs because he will not admit that there is a problem and that it might require him to change because he's so stubborn and so stupid.
5: And I agree. And But his relationship with Clary is vital in this regard, isn't it? That Clary comes mm. a little bit late to the party, but Clary does understand her son. And she knew that – I think this is this week's now. Um, but she I was going to say, yeah, don't that- tell
6: me because I haven't heard yet.
5: Well, all I'll say is that she she twigs that Mia isn't there, you know, without saying exactly right. what's going on, you know. So Clary yeah. does have a Grundy antenna up, a Will antenna up, and she kinda twigs. So right. and Will trusts his mother implicitly and loves her. So yeah. that's where he's gonna get some level of um help and salvation. Um, And mm. it can't come too soon. Though I've got to say, hats off to the actor, hats off to the writing. You know, this is a whole situation which none of us mm. foresaw, in part because the Grundys are slightly peripheral characters, very slightly. You know, they're, they're, they're not main drawer, are they? They're not box office like the Aldridges and like the Bridge Farm I have to lot. say,
6: though, I think. The the, the the actor that plays Mia is spectacularly good. No, she is. And she just Absolutely. seems to have she just seems to have tapped in to this sort of wellspring of, of sympathy that listeners have for her. And uh, you know, that we're so defensive of her.
4: Mm.
6: You know, she's there's just something about her that manages to be both brave and vulnerable at once and sort of it's just that weariness in her, you know, when she says, Oh, it's all right. I'll do it. And, you know, she's old beyond her years and it's just so moving. She might be one of those in in Dickens, you know, there's always one of those kids that's, you know, eight and is looking after three small toddlers and, you know, yeah. has got a job and stuff. <laughs> it's kind of, that's sort of what Mia is. That kind of uh, one of the world's copers, but uh, she shouldn't have to be. And I know there are a lot of kids mm. in that position and it's awful.
5: Mm, no, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you're right, it's, uh, it's, it's stunning drama all round, well-written, well-acted. And, yeah, our sympathies go out to her. Um, so that is our Vicky Cole in Columbo. Let's go down to the valleys.
9: Hi, dum de It's Welsh Witcher phoning from a cloudy Philly. Hope everybody is well. Uh, the two dominant storylines for me this week was Tom and Natasha, and obviously Will and Mia um, as far as Tom and Natasha is concerned I think that we won't hear from Natasha now for for, for a couple of years hopefully um, because I think she, she won't get in touch until Tom comes into some money perhaps through the demise of Peggy and um, I think then at that point she will want her pound of flesh um, as far as Will and Mia is concerned he is a complete ass. There is no other word for him. Um, you don't speak to a child like that, as he did on Friday. You certainly don't speak to a child um, who have broken our heart in front of you and told you how she 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 feels. Um, you, you just don't. Um, and she probably thought about the camping holiday. That, as far as she was concerned, it would be the same shit, different location. Um, because no doubt yeah. she would be expected to do the cooking and getting everything ready, and it'd be no holiday for hers. So I'm not surprised she she flipped. Um, I do think that Andrew, because I think we're led to believe that she's gone to Andrew's. I do think Andrew would have at least spoken to Will in person and said, "Look, she's coming back with me. If, if just to give you some, give you all some space." Um, But I think it all comes back, and I think this will send Will over the edge. But I think as well this all comes down to the fact that none of them have had any counselling at all after Nick's death, um, which I think Mm -hmm. is so important. Anyway, I'm running out of time, so bye everyone and thanks for the show.
5: Mm. I I think counselling is one thing, but actually... um, that's going to be emotional, whereas will doesn't deal with the domestic. So that there's there's two things, isn't there? There is just the mm. utter grief of what's happened. Then there is how are you actually going to cope day to day with mm. the, the fact that actually you don't even wash your kids. You know you can't even mm. um, you know you don't even bathe Poppy you know you don't you don't know mm. one end of poppy from the other you don't know what she eats mm. you don't know what she does at school you don't know what to put mm. in a lunch bag it goes on and on and on you know that's got nothing to do with grief and the fact that will sees himself as um, you know the the, the breadwinner i go out and i and i game keep that's what i do then i come in put my feet up and that and that's it and stuff's done mm. around me mm.
6: he's just yeah it's just an awful so painful to listen to and I can't see, I, I haven't listened to this week's yet and I cannot see, I cannot envisage a way in which Will is going to alter his mindset at all. I just can't imagine him doing that. He never, he never has. He's just stubborn and mulish and and um, entrenched. And I just, yeah, I mean, I really hope he does, but I can't imagine it. Hmm. And I, I mean, he at the very least, he has got to get someone else in to help him that he pays. Mm. You know, because he's a single parent who's out at work all the time. And I know millions of, of women do it, single parents who work full time and look after their children. But, you know, he is trying to do it. He cannot do it. And unlike most people, he can actually afford to have somebody in.
5: No, he can um you, you're uh, spot spot I'm on the relying the on his
6: I, damn mother
5: yes which is part of the issue um yes absolutely the thing is we we've, we've spoken about will before because he is really one of the most complex characters in the whole thing he's had large slices of fortune
6: yeah but he's still yeah.
5: angry and he has. Well, he's what still angry Will because has. of Emma,
6: because he's still in love with Emma.
5: Well, well, well. Actually, it's interesting though. His relationship with Emma is one which is blossoming into two parents that can actually co-parent and look out for each other to a degree. So Emma mm. has come in and helped Mia. Um, around her first period. And then Will has recognised that, not in a sneering way, but in an honest and a genuine way. But she's and was Emma's, some...
6: Emma's helping
5: not to help Will, she's helping to help the children. I agree in large part, but I think there is an element where Emma is still in the mode where Will has gone through this bereavement and I'm helping out Will because mm. he's gone through bereavement. Yeah, 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 there yeah, is an yeah. element yeah. of that. There yeah. is an element of that. Anyway, anyway. Um well, Witch, thank you for your contribution. Here's he's a voice from the past, Arloose.
8: Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here ah. phoning up with a plot prediction. I can see that... We're going to have a horrible, grundy triangle yet again. I think Ed's going to end up in prison. Emma's dreams of a little house in the village for herself and Ed and the kids is going to fall to ashes. That we've got Will living in the cottage with just Poppy, who really needs a mum and siblings and that Emma is going to end up moving back into the cottage with Will and helping to raise Poppy and this is going to be my plot prediction so hope you've all had a lovely weekend and for those who uh, met up in Birmingham yesterday hope you had a wonderful time speak to you all soon, bye now
5: bye bye Jojo
6: God, I think she's right. Mm. I don't want her to be right, but I think she is. But Jojo, you have to ring back and confirm. Do you mean in a romantic relationship with Will or just moving in to help? Please, God, don't mm. let it be a romantic
5: relationship.
6: Ah. I think she's right, though. Mm.
5: You could well be. Um, but And it's lovely to hear God. your voice again, Jojo. Yes. <clears throat> right, um... Here's another stalwart of the show. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. Hey. Russ.
2: Now, every now and again, I think, are they actually going to turn it round and turn him into someone decent? Um, he seems to be very uh, have a very clear view that he can change the uh, gallery and bring in proper art lovers and dealers. And I was just thinking, oh, maybe he will. Maybe it will work. But then I thought, this is a gallery. is is not in a metropolis or even in. it's in the middle of nowhere. It's at a at a stately home. Uh, who goes there? Tourists, visitors, people going to weddings, not art dealers. So I, mm. I think uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of uh, Lower Loxley. I found it very moving. The uh, the family and the burial of Topper. Um, and this is someone who is not uh, really an animal lover. Um, But great to see that family coming together um, as opposed to the complete meltdown uh, with Will. Um, I think it was unforgivable the way he spoke to Mia. And I'm sure you'll have hundreds of calls on this topic today. Um, So I won't really talk about that. But really the comment when he uh, realized she was missing and the, oh, no, don't do this to me. um, I felt that was Mm. more that he was... um, cross that Cinderella had left, sorry, Mia had left, uh, and he wasn't going to have someone to look after him, rather than actually being concerned for Mia and her well-being. Um, Maybe I'm being uh, unfair to Will, but I don't think so. Anyway, hope you're all well, and I'll call in again soon. Bye!
6: I was at a National Trust stately home over the weekend, and Mm -hmm. there was an installation of modern art in it, Mm -hmm. and I watched as, because I was sort of interested from a lower Loxley perspective, and I watched as troops of baffled tourists went in and emerged looking confused, and walked away and said, "Well, that was a load of rubbish." <laughs> and I thought, "Yes, <laughs> you—if you're going to put that sort of thing on, it needs to be at the least in Felpersham. It does not, or Birmingham. It should—you know—it's not going to work in the settings of a." of a year distinctly, it's just wrong, wrong place. Mm. I agree. Wrong uh, audience. And yeah. re his comments about um, uh, Mia and Will. I completely agree when, when he said, don't do this to me. A, I thought, here we go. Me, 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 me. Not Mia, where are you? Are you okay? Don't do this to me. But also, don't do this to me. This makes me look bad. This makes me look like I can't cope. This makes me look you know, not perfect. And he's so obsessed with being the good son, you know, he's doing so well, isn't he? That he can't bear anybody that looks like they've rejected him. He takes hugely personally.
5: Hmm. And he's just somebody with um, no social emotional empathy, isn't is he? That yeah. Again, if you, if you have to do like a social graph, of the characters in the archers will would be isolated because actually will has no mates will never goes down the ball you know he doesn't get pints bought for him he doesn't buy people pints etc etc you know he would be an isolated character over on the corner of that kind of like social networking kind of like yeah yeah and 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 that is one of the big issues whereas um has Jazza, you know, like they yeah. have a relationship, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I just find him totally a fascinating character. And um, and as I've said on many a dum de dum, in the 80s and in the 90s, Will was the one who you liked, and Ed was the one who was just all over the place. Yeah. And they completely yeah. crossed over, completely crossed over, you know? And um, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's been a fascinating um, journey, for want of a hackneyed phrase, to see this character kind of go on. And, and I use that word somewhat advisably considering I'm just reeling from last night's Game of Thrones, Lucy, which to say that program <laughs> has gone from being um, it's Homer-like in its character studies and the, the pace for the first, what, six seasons of which he'd explained things and pe- and characters' motivations. And, my God, it's gone from Homer forward slash Shakespeare forward slash Tolstoy to EastEnders. Last night's episode was EastEnders, and I just couldn't believe really? what the hell I was watching. Oh, God, it was bad. It was bad. Don't get me wrong, you still got the whole epic setting you know the setting you've still got wolves and boobs and everything else
6: yes
5: no yeah. no 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 boobs no boobs and the and the wolf's gone no the walker's wolves? Gone. no, no oh, he's okay. gone he's gone he he, he was packed okay. off dispatched in the last episode um so he's he's gone up north with torment so the dog's gone uh but yeah holy come holy lucy right it if ever there was like these two writers just one shot of the whole thing it was piss poor right but right. what you've got here is 30 years of this one character will grundy who for large tracts of time you don't hear a squeak from but when you yeah. do you know you look back and you go he's had he, to be fair to him his wife went off with his brother. His um, his second wife died, and you go, you've had stuff to deal with, mate, and you still got no sympathy for him because he's a loathsome human being. And and, and let's call it as it is. You know, he is so self centered that you, you it, it's just glorious writing, considering actually what he's had to deal with and you just go but you know what you're a, you're a wrong one. you are wrong and you just compare that with the you know the last the last 6 years of game of thrones until well the first 6 seasons and then the tie ups that we're having now because the two writers just want to finish the whole thing and it just yeah. kind of like makes no sense. And I'm kind of mi- mixing everything up here because I'm still just like so upset with what 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 the heck I saw. And it just proves that <laughs> what we have here with the archers is consistently good writing. Yes, there's the odd bump, but like you don't feel that anything fundamentally is really being rushed. If anything, No, we have the odd, stretched the
6: odd week where we think, oh, crikey, that was a bit,
5: <clears throat> but you know,
6: generally, Yeah. yeah.
5: Exactly, exactly. But hey, but hey, but hey, but hey. Uh let's not talk about Game of Thrones, Roy Thor. That was Andrew Horn.
10: Let's have a little touch of Monty. or oh, like Monty. Hi everybody, Monty here. First off, let me say what a thoroughly enjoyable time I had at the Dumpty Dum Studio Tour um yesterday where we were shown around the Archer studio um by uh, Holly, who um was one of the team at the BBC she was amazing, had an incredible knowledge of the Archers, knew uh, everything about everything that we ha- that we wanted to ask and was thoroughly delightful the whole time. So big shout out to Holly. I thoroughly recommend the BBC Archers tour, which I believe they're, they're launching formally in a month. Um, it was really, really enjoyable. One of the best I've, things I've been to of that nature. Um, and if you're a fan of the Yay. Archers, it's unmissable. So definitely worth going. Um, anyway, what happened this week? Uh, first of all, let me say um, I feel sorry for Ed uh, about the Tim situation. I predicted some time ago that uh, they would end up losing their house over this. And that ha- I haven't changed my opinion, although I think they may nearly lose their house over it. Um, he's been dragged into something that's that he's way over his head. But I can understand why, because the money situation is dire. So it's understandable. Um Mia um has gone uh, I don't blame her, and my plot prediction is that that we'll lose all his children in the end because I'm afraid he's just not fit to be and he's just not fit to be a parent at the moment he's not doesn't have the mental state for it. he never really has and it's only going to get worse um and uh the other my other plot prediction is that Natasha is going to come back and uh this is just going to be a blip for them. I predict that they will be happily married for some time. Um, I know it doesn't look like it at the moment, but um, I think that's what the scriptwriters want us to believe. So thanks, everybody. Great to meet up with some of you yesterday at the Dumpty Dum uh, studio tour, and I'm really looking forward to November now. Cheers. Bye.
6: Yay! You know I was in Birmingham trying to find them.
5: Were you? Why didn't you just go along to the BBC? You weren't trying hard enough, were you?
6: Because you said about the dinner thing, so I thought, well, I'll wait Mm. till the dinner thing. And then you messaged me and said, the dinner's (laughs) cancelled. But as I told you, I -hmm. did see a woman in her early 70s with a neck tattoo coming out of the Premier, no, the Travel Lodge in Birmingham Mm
4: -hmm.
6: and in a black mesh dress, putting a fag out on the pavement with her bare foot. That was worth seeing, to be honest. I'd (laughs) I'd have gone further than Birmingham to see that
5: full of characters my hometown full of characters and what did you do when you're in brum what did you and little william do
6: uh not a lot because we went to um the we went to the um the, the but we went to a national trust place on the way there and mm-hmm. um then we just wandered around birmingham we went to the canal and we saw lots of geese and goslings and we um tiddled around And I tried to figure out where the Dumpty Dummers were, and I couldn't. And then there was lots of vintage Renault, vintage Citrons driving around, and that was quite fun because I love vintage cars. And then uh, the next day, I went to Stratford on Avon. The end of my weekend.
5: Hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Well, it's um, I got a picture from a friend. Uh, about um, the fact that half the half the city centre, well, half would be a gross exaggeration, but a small but si- significant part part of the city centre has been knocked down, has been re- redeveloped, which is which is the way of my hometown. It's like, look at this, and I couldn't figure out mm. where the hell I was looking at. There was a period between, <laughs> I'm going to say, 2000 and 2005. So you know, I'm, I'm living in London, and I'd come back once every three to four four months, and there'd be a new road in the city centre. That's how fundamental <laughs> the changes are oh in Birmingham God, city centre. Oh, my God, the center. driving. Yeah.
6: The driving. It is hell. You can't get mm. out. I honestly felt like pulling over and weeping because I just couldn't. I thought I live here now. I can't get out. I can't get home. I'm just going to have <laughs> to live here forever, for
5: the rest of my life. It's one of the things which somebody said to me about fundamentally orientating yourself around any city It it sounds so obvious to say that it's really important, but it's really important, right? You can be a Brummie through and through as I am. And I know that city centre, I'm not going to say as well as anybody, but I know the city centre. I can't give you, Lucy, uh, directions. It's impossible. Nobody can because even though you know exactly where you're going right you can't explain it to somebody it isn't a case of uh go down this Whoa, road second on the right third How? on the left it no because because lucy the city works actually for cars not for pedestrians and then also you have too many where well you, you go you have too many ring roads. You have roads that go over each other. You have uh, roundabouts of all manner of sizes, and then you have junctions with numerous exits. So over at Snow Hill is a case in point. And I spoke to uh, the That's city where planner. I was. One, of, I was there. Well, Snow Hill, then then you'll know it, right? If you, um, well, I was everywhere to be oh, honest,
6: because I was just trying to <laughs> get out. <laughs>
5: So you travel on, let's say you've come in from the A38. So you've come in on the on the M6, and then you go on this motorway which dispatches you literally into the town centre. And the, and the motorway almost yeah, you know, and it ends. Then you go over this flyover, right? Yes, and you've got a whole indeed. load of roads yes. underneath. Yeah, and then you come off that flyover because you've got to come off on the left because you need to turn um, a sharp left to go up to Snow Hill. And that little road to to the left, which goes past the the West Midlands uh, police headquarters, is actually really nice in terms of its scale. You've got this really large development to the right-hand side. But that junction there, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six um, options of how to exit. Right. It is bewildering. And they've mm. only created that in the last eight years, seven years. And the council know they've made a mistake. What you don't have in Birmingham are large T-junctions where you just go and go left, right,
6: yeah, yeah. forward. Everything and is more complicated. You,
5: yes. Exactly. Everything, there's a little bit of a slip road here. Then you've got this half option there. And it's bewildering. So you cannot... As a driver or a pedestrian, somebody says to you, they're on one side of Birmingham city centre and you want to get to, to the far side. What you end up saying is, right, go down here, second on the left, third on the right then ask somebody else because I know how to do it, but you will not comprehend how to do it. It's too complicated because this road goes over that road. This road goes under, you know, it's, yeah. so, oh, it's just, it's another nightmare. And actually what they need to do is a massive rationalisation and to de-complicate the junctions in Birmingham city centre. They're too big, they're too complex. And actually what it does, it destroys um the dri- not the driving but the pedestrian experience because there's no line of sight. That's what you don't have in Birmingham. Mm. The, the, the 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 towns and the cities which are evocative and are romantic and that we understand have lines of sight, clear straight roads. Yeah. And you go right. So I go right up here yeah. and you, you have a vista. You have a very clear vista. There's none of that in Birmingham. Yeah. You go round half a corner, no. you go up a flyaway fly over then you go <laughs> under a subway
0: <laughs> yeah
5: and it was you know and it basically it was a, a 1960s planners wet dream somebody right. basically went right I can build a bridge here I can never fly over here and have a subway here and because the city was so rich they went go for it and and we yeah. gave the guy yeah. who designed the city a peerage We should have put him in the fucking village stocks and thrown vegetables at him. Yes, (laughs) we should should have been throwing rotten vegetables at him. But, like, he designed this plan of a futuristic city in the 1940s, and the Luftwaffe um, destroyed half of the east end of London, did some damage in Coventry, only dropped about three bombs on Birmingham. We went, Well, uh, we've got the excuse to do it now. We've had three bombs on us from, from those bloody Germans. We'll put in place this plan. And it's destroyed Birmingham in terms of um, it being a livable, working city. But the city council have known this from the 1980s and haven't been aggressive enough in writing that wrong. Yeah. Anyway, town planning—that's yeah. Map Corner. Thank you for the Map Corner podcast, everybody. <laughs> uh, thank you, Claire.
6: <laughs> if I tell you what on the Sunday when I was trying to get out. Um, mm. I then got tangled up in a cycle race. So they'd closed three quarters of the roads. So after about an hour and a half, even my sat-nav was starting to sound a bit weepy and hysterical because we were just going round. Every time it said, turn left. Oh, no, turn right. No, we can't do that either. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yes.
5: I had uh, one of the uh, funniest experiences with my mum and dad. You, you have to go up to Leeds for a for a family funeral. And I feel like I might have given this anecdote before. The, the more the more I say it, um, and um, my dad, typical uh, man in the 1970s, incredibly proud of his sat nav. His sat nav is a pro- thing of pride and joy. That oh, we've got to put on the sat nav. We're going to Leeds type yeah. of thing. You know, declaims it, and we get all the way to Leeds. Lucy, we we're going round this this roundabout for like <laughs> I'm going to say 15 minutes. That's an exaggeration. At least five. And it said, take the next exit. No, take the next exit. Take the next exit. And we're going round and round. Right. And 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 Dad says, Well I said, Dad, we've been around here like three, four times. And he says, But the sat nav says. And it took me five minutes to realise, yeah, it was a sat nav, not Google Maps. And basically, sat-navs need to be updated. It was a new road, wasn't it? And the new road was not on the sat-nav. So we're going round and round. It says, date the next road. No, date the next road. Date the next road. And I went, Dad, no, no. He said, no, the sat-nav says, forget the fucking sat-nav, (laughs) Dad. It's like, yeah, brand new road. And he hadn't updated his sat-nav. So, yes. Mm
6: -hmm. My mum argues with hers constantly. My mum sees her as something that challenges, yes, she sees it as something that challenges her natural uh, sense of direction. So when I put my sat-nav on and I'm driving her somewhere and it says, turn left in 300 yards, and she says, no. What's it? no, you need to go (laughs) past jeans. (laughs) Go past jeans. She's shouting at it. I was like, "Mm." (laughs) why is it
5: sending you that
6: way? Well, I don't know, but do it if you like, she says, sounding very sceptical.
5: I've started when I go back home to Brum of keeping the sat nav on because it well say the sat nav Google Maps a clear distinction um, because it tells you about the traffic doesn't it to avoid traffic and and that can shave time off your journey you know I've been going to I don't know like to my aunties and my uncles all my life I know I absolutely know the way but I don't know what the traffic's going to be like on the Stratford Road. Or the old Cester Road. And it's no. telling me, oh, it's really bad, Royful. So you actually want to avoid that this time. It's like, it's, it's blooming clever. But now you have this new problem because of sat navs of roads which don't have that much traffic. Everybody now, the sat navs tell them to go down it. And, you know, large, of traffic. Yes. Exactly. And yes. large dollops of yeah. traffic chuntering past these suburban houses and people starting to get a little bit upset about it and stuff. But anyway, modern first world problems. Uh, I tell you who. Yes. Um, is a rather modern woman, independent, forthright with her opinions. It's our Catherine Rowan Jones. She's got kind of a bit of a fan base, don't you know?
11: Good evening, Dumpty Dummers worldwide. It's Catherine Rowan Jones from High Wickham. <laughs> at 88 Ivy Fox on the Twitters cracking show last week as ever, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy and Royfield, and given that you had two sinister sounding callers in, I thought I'd make it a third by doing it this week, and you know it's just the voice rough as a badger's arse, I do mean well. Um, Mm -hmm. Cracking Week in Ambridge, (laughs) thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Good writing, especially good writing this week under the new management, perhaps with um, everything ticking along. We've got some movement in the storylines. The mouldy bunting is being returned in (laughs) instalments. We've got the continuing dilemma over who's the light-fingered one in the village, the red herring of Mia, and, oh, Jesus Christ, that poor little kid. Yeah. That scene on Friday night with William, it's just so wrong. His coaxing voice is his sexy voice to his 13-year-old stepdaughter, and just a little argument, and he's got no fucking idea. That was emotional abuse. I pray yep. that Andrew came and picked her up and he's going to look after her because she needs to get away from that man um, He's doing everything wrong. He's gone beyond any patience and tolerance I might have had for him and now I really fear for Poppy's well-being and safety. Thank you for everything you do. You're wonderful. I love you all. Um, maybe I can see you in November when you're back in Bram for the rescheduling Cheers all. Bye. Oh. Bye.
5: Thank you for that, Catherine. She's right. Mm. Emotional abuse. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say she's right. Last week's was a cracking dum dum I was going to say Lucy. Come on, be modest. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to do a quick email. Can I do an email quickly? Go on
5: then. Mm-hmm.
6: From Marion, Uh, I started listening to The Archers on and off back in 2004 and visiting my now husband who lived in Ely in Cambridgeshire. I am French. I was living in France at the time. I didn't start on the right footing with The Archers, laying in bed on a Sunday morning with a massive hangover and the church bell ringing at the back of the house. And here I am in Ambridge in a lambing carving shed for some delivery action. At the time, I couldn't listen often. But after my move to the UK, I listened more often. I was completely hooked by 2008. So I don't know if I'm an Ian or an Abbey. Uh, living at the friend's time was great, especially driving to Suffolk to get to work and passing pig arcs. Thanks to technology, the Archers has followed me to Switzerland. My favorite place to listen to the omnibus was a field with cows in Liechtenstein when my husband ran the marathon. And they have now moved with me to the US. I was worried when I heard that Rob Titchener moved to the Midwest, but luckily for me, rural Minnesota is a good drive away from the North Shore of Chicago. So no chance of running into him anytime soon. Uh, the fact that Mike and Vicky moved to Birmingham to raise Bethany, I was quite surprised there was no mention of her on the 21st of March being World Down Syndrome Day. They could have had Roy wearing odd socks or something. I think that's what they did for the, to raise awareness. Um, an oversight, in my opinion, Maybe next year. To come back to this week's omnibus, I felt really sorry for poor Mia. She got me in tears at the gym this morning. Yes, I think she got a lot of people in tears. I don't think we're ever going to hear anything else about Bethany. I think that whole thing's just... Roy will maybe mention it in passing when Bethany's eighteen or something like that, but they've just let the storyline just drop now. I think, which is such a shame.
5: Hmm. Well, let's hope you're wrong, oh, Luce. Let's let's hope you're wrong. Uh, and what a lovely email, yeah. uh, Lichenshire. Yeah, you ever been there?
6: Yes, yeah. I have. not But I met the God, prince you've of it. Been about? Have you? The no, I haven't. Prince. I haven't. Yes.
5: You don't said you have.
6: I made him a what cup of it? tea. He st- No, I've met the I've met the Prince of Liechtenstein. He has a musical tie that plays the Liechtenstein National Anthem and he came to a which house is, I was in. Which is? I don't know. I can't remember. He just played me as... on his
5: tie. <gasps> Lucy. The Archers. Oh, come on. What? The, what? the melody is, is it God Barwick Save Green? the Queen. It's exactly the same. No. Is
6: it? The National oh. Anthem,
5: the melody is exactly the same. Yeah. There was a time ah. um, in the 18th and 19th century when uh, the melody of what is "God Save the Queen" was the national anthem of many countries. And as they had revolutions and independence, then they uh, <laughs> opted to. Um,
6: we want our come own, up with theme own tune. We're not having yours yeah, exactly.
5: anymore. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I tell you what: the the current prince, I think his name's Hans Adam. I'm like almost positive it's Hans Adam, but his brother is married to a Jamaican woman a Jamaican Panamanian woman and ah. they, they they were the, I'm going to stick my neck out and say they were the first royal family to have um, a black princess yeah you wow. know she's, she's like like black black not Meghan Markle a little bit caramel but could kind of pass as Mediterranean like the, this woman's black black Panamanian black but anyway wow um Liechtenstein yeah Fascinating place. Mm. Uh, mm. Moving swiftly on, uh, we still have God. We still have some more calls. Uh, this is Carol.
0: Greetings, Royfield and Lucy, and all the lovely dumpty dummers. Carol from the Highlands of Scotland, aka Honorary Grace Archer. Here, remember Grace, her death, my birthday. Well, I have a plot yes. prediction for you, and it concerns Shula. Dear God, Shula's writing school is going to go to the wall, and it is entirely her own fault. I'm surprised her stable girls haven't already staged a walkout. Little riding schools like Shula's require the owner's absolute commitment. You cannot go swanning off on some arty-farty project because you are looking for some sort of extra fulfilment. And when you have a lesson cancellation, Shula, don't take yourself off to the local graveyard and tidy up some complete stranger's grave or pop round to lower (laughs) Locksley to pester (laughs) your sister. Instead, you could level off the muck heap or you could have schooled one of the young horses or cleaned some tack or skipped out a stable or picked the droppings up out of the field or swept the yard or cleaned the water drinkers or tidied the feed room or checked the saddlery fits and is safe. She could even try her hand at some staff training. That's if they're still there, of course. Anyway, that's my rant over, and my little cat Emily has been gurning a bit. I think she's gone out now. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. If you heard, eh, that wasn't Emily. Anyway, (laughs) these are the facts, and her riding school is not going to survive as long as she continues to waft about the countryside as if she's on a tough paper round. So that's all, and love to you all. (laughs)
6: <laughs> what a lovely call I could listen to Carol mm. all day <laughs> I wafting about the countryside um, uh, I hadn't thought of that but she's probably right I mean I don't know how much the stables was actually propped up by Alice vets practice and now the two have separated mm. I'm not sure you know which we'll, we'll see which one falls over first I guess won't we
5: mm. I don't think that business is going to uh, collapse. It's too integral to the, the stables has been uh, a, a long running theme in the background of the archers, wasn't it? Grace had the stables or something or another. Like there, there's always been somebody who's owned the stables, and and even if you know, Shula can't quite, handle, it's going to be fine. I, I love your call, Carol. I love your call. Disagree. She she's going to find a way around. And I think maybe well, somebody, I don't know whether I'm not sure. Does,
6: does, Sh- does Shula do livery as well? I think she does, doesn't she? Because she sort of boards. Uh, I, I don't.
5: I don't even know what that is, Lucy. I'm a, I'm a city Lucy. boy.
6: But we need we need Cosmo to do a, a breakdown of uh, Shula's um, uh, business arrangements, mm. please.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Cosmo. Uh, I think we lose. We still have two more calls. I'm going to have to edit out some of that diatribe about Birmingham and its uh, traffic system. All right. Uh, let's do Emily.
4: That's Hello, the kind of thing that drags dumbers. people this is in. Emily world. calling from <laughs> Kent. Um, I'm a first time caller in era. Uh, so my vintage is, my, my official vintage is Rob, um, which is when wow. I started listening because I wanted to. Um, but I have been a. Forced listener since i was probably about 10 (laughs) so um 20 odd years ago um i wanted to call in because um a couple of things i just wanted to talk about this week the first one is um the whole russ and elizabeth um situation um So, obviously, Elizabeth's just paid off the bailiffs and he's just hosted this, what sounds like a pretty ridiculous um, gallery event. I hope that Elizabeth will um, suggest and Russ will insist that she he pays back his debt um, by working at the gallery for free. Knowing Elizabeth and how, um, to be honest, pathetic she is, particularly around Russ, that this isn't going to happen, but it really should, and that's sort of quite a logical thing to happen. Uh, The other thing I want to talk about was uh, Tom... Um, He's just opened up on this episode that I've just listened to, to Helen, which I'm so relieved about because you'd think after Mm. everything Helen went through, he would see the benefits of telling the truth and speaking to your family about what was going on. Um, So, yeah, so that's it really from me. Um, Excuse the uh, snuffles in the background. I'm just feeding my daughter. Thank you uh, for this podcast. It keeps me... Uh, Saying on my very long walks When I'm trying to get my 12 week <laughs> old off to sleep So um, yeah Oh um, I'm sure I'll uh, call again soon Thanks, bye
5: Wow bye. Dumpty diddler in full effect there
6: Yeah Jeanette, Doesn't mm-hmm. that lady, doesn't Emily sound like Lily
5: Yes Well spotted
6: When she said about Russ And I thought this is Lily Lily is ringing in <laughs> in disguise <laughs> <laughs> uh, no she said i love the fact that she said she said when i chose to listen i was a rob so uh, but i would have to i was forced to listen since i was 10 so i think we should have sort of your voluntary vintage is when you actually chose to listen and then you can have your 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 family of origin vintage which is when you were forced to listen from an early age unwillingly going oh god why do i have to be quiet this is
5: on Emily's not the first person that's actually said that, you know, no. grown up with this thing. Yeah. But then then yeah, people drift away. Don't and then you have know, your rebellion it,
6: against it and say, I'm not listening. To, I'm not listening to that rubbish. And then you find yourself sneaking back to it and think, oh, God, exactly. oh, actually, I'm one of those people now. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. But it, it almost sounds like a, an oxymoron is the wrong, the wrong term. But to say that Rob is your vintage, because vintage to me means old. Right, and Rob's only been out of it what three years, yeah. so it's you know. But it is a vintage. Don't get me wrong, but just feel like yeah, vintage, I'm amazed no. by how many,
6: how many, how many younger people we've got listening, and how many newer listeners we've got. Um, mm. I mean, newer listeners to the Archers, and obviously then us because they're ringing in. But you know, and I think it must have been that storyline that got people in, because a lot of them have been sort of in the last sort of three or four years.
5: Exactly, and and we. Do we have given Sean O'Connor, uh, the script editor at that time, um, a hard time saying that that storyline just went on too long? But in terms of a cute bit, a neat bit of business, he did well. He it was a ratings Mm, winner, yeah. It got loads of media, and more importantly, well, it did exactly what he wanted it to do, yeah. New listeners, Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah,
5: so. Sean O'Connor uh, but as I, always I with radio 4 you. things mm.
6: <laughs> as always with radio 4 things they the, the feeling is that they get in new listeners at the expense of the old listeners it's very difficult to accommodate both both sets of people so people felt mm. that the robin helen storyline overshadowed the original the the more sort of traditional type archer storylines um it's like the bbc sounds podcast people are saying but they're investing in that at the expense you know and then and then they're putting out loads of repeats because they can't afford to pay for new shows and all that stuff so it's always it's always been the same with radio 4 but it is nice to hear some newer listeners it really is i think Mm.
5: radio 2 classically have that problem each kind of Generate half generation, don't they? That mm. actually, yeah. I remember listening back to Radio Two in the nineteen seventies and eighties, and it was Baldoonican. It was so horribly yeah. <laughs> middle of the road. Yeah. Like I yeah. didn't know anybody that listened to Radio Two because it just wasn't my demographic. It wasn't my culture group. It wasn't everything. It was just completely nothing wrong. But the people in charge of Radio Two know that it's fundamentally it's it's middle of the road but what you're is middle of the road changes from yeah. generation to generation it and yep. they have to throw out half the djs and have a bit of a cull and update the playlist you can listen to radio 2 now and there's craig charles playing 70s funk on it and all sorts right and i'm going I quite yeah. like radio 2 i'm like
0: fuck I'm listening to the 90s 90's version of Valentine's Day I'm like oh my god
5: (laughs) yeah it's like oh god anyway anyway Sean O'Connor you did some good sir you did some good even though you hated us at Dumpty Dum we don't hate you back you know we just give you side eye we give you side eye sir anyway um, (laughs) we've got one more call and it's our Witherspoon
0: Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs.
3: Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty numbers <laughs> around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Hackes here. I was initially skeptical of Jim stepping in as Jazzer's de facto lawyer and whether Jazzer had an mm-hmm. actual case of constructive dismissal. But then I remembered, hey, I went through the same situation. I had been acting chairman of a hospital department of psychiatry for three years, and then when the hospital finally got around to doing a search for a permanent chair, I was one of the final three candidates, but then didn't get the position. The hospital then wanted me to go back to my old job from three years prior. I was sad, angry, and offended, and promptly quit. I know, first world problems. Jazzer doesn't have the safety net that I had. But then I promptly hired a lawyer recommended by a friend who threatened a lawsuit. I didn't know the term constructive dismissal then. We threw in some anti-gay stuff. I had no doubt that the medical director of the hospital was homophobic. Anyway, I got a three-month severance, which satisfied me, but maybe not my lawyer, and made a career shift from hospital administrative work to full-time private practice. My career satisfaction increased enormously, and it enabled me to embark on a transatlantic relationship two years later. So if I had gotten the job to start with, I wouldn't be speaking with you today. Go figure. So I hope that Jim negotiates a fair severance deal for for Jazzer and Jazzer goes on to new career opportunities and success, though I think it isn't working at a cafe. Maybe he will partner up with Rex. Just a brief note, I was so disappointed with Will on Friday after I thought he was making a little bit of progress this week. I do work with a lot of fathers like him, but I'll save all that till next time. Talk to you soon. Luce, we haven't
5: talked about this constructive dismissal, and I just want to Mm. run something by you because I'm genuinely like I know what it is, but I'm confused by the nuance of it. Right? So I run a business. I'm gonna gonna get. I'm gonna get rid of the pigs, and I've had this employee that has been uh, working uh, on the pigs, managing the pigs for ten years, fifteen years, whatever. How is that constructive dismissal if I'm going to get rid of the pigs? I'm not using that as an excuse to get rid of Jazza for him then to walk off, knowing that he wouldn't take a lesser job and then keep the pigs. I'm generally going to get rid of the pigs. Why is that constructive dismissal? There's
6: Oh, there's, you know, that thing about there's truth and then there's legal truth. Um. In various jobs I've had, I've been involved in—in, in, in, in fact, charity positions. I've been involved in 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 the HZ, HR side and dealing with with dismissals and employment tribunals mm. and things like that. And the way Tom did it was absolutely wrong. He told him it casually as they were doing as they were messing around with the pig arcs. Uh, Jazza has never had an appraisal. Jazza has ne- has had his pay rises have been. Um, sort of uh, his pay rises have been granted based on Jazza saying if you don't give me a pay rise I will leave blah 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 and Tom grudgingly doing it um, I doubt very much that Jazza has got a proper contract um, I don't recall Jazza ever having any annual leave um, he certainly doesn't have kind of what would be seen as proper employer uh, employee rights. He doesn't seem to have have any of that stuff. Um, and you have to find somebody uh, alternative. He's not making, well, I suppose he is making him redundant sort of, but you have to offer somebody something at the same salary in the same hours that they are happy to take. You can't just say, right, we're shutting this and we're shifting you. It's got to be more considered than that. And it's got to be in consultation. And Tom just kind of announced it as they were, you know, in the field up to their armpits in mud. Um, it's just not the way that you're supposed to treat an employee.
5: Mm, okay, that, that that makes much more sense to me. Um, but also, I just looked at it. The,
6: in, in in truth, when you look at it, um, in actual fact, of how it it, it happens, from my experience, anyway. Obviously, there are case, there are many, many, many cases where um, it is it is a fact that the person has been dealt a very bad hand. They've been treated unfairly. They've been, uh, you know, there's been bias, whatever. There's all the old unfairness. But the thing that a disgruntled employee will go to an HR person, and the HR person will say, "Right, when was your last appraisal?" when did this happen how did they inform you did they did you sign this when you did it? did they give you this option blah, blah 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 and if you have not done it absolutely by the book then you're screwed as the employer um so i would suggest that bearing in mind how sketchy tom's sort of business arrangements are um that he is screwed yes and that anybody with half a half a sense of hr law would be able to find 10 ways off the top of their head in which he has not followed procedure because you win tribunals by the other side, unless it's really blatant and obvious, you win tribunals by the other person not following the proper procedure. And I doubt very mm. much he has.
5: Mm. Well, yes. you, you, said a, you said a couple of things there about, you know, uh, annual leave and appraisals and nobody has any of those anywhere. Near Ambridge, in the whole county of Borsetshire, nobody no. has any of those. But <laughs> I, I <laughs> no. suppose they make for dull radio listening. So <laughs> you just have to just take it as read. you know, uh, no, these things I happen would kill to listen to part, Susan's but...
6: appraisal. Can't you imagine Susan's appraisal with Helen? That would be one of the best scenes I'd ever hear.
5: It would. It would, it would, it would. Right, now, uh, we've chunted on for quite some time. So I'm going to say this. It's advertisement break. So if you've got some camp coffee on the boil, why don't you take it off said boil, put it in a cup drink it. If you've got some cool uh, water to drink, why don't you do that? Oh, if you even need a loo break quickly, which is... Some other ridiculous thing to say, because you probably listen to this on on some kind of mobile device, i.e. your phone. So you probably just take it with you whilst you have your waz. So why don't you take us to the loo, have a quick waz and whatever, come back, you'll say, and it'll be (laughs) Millie Bell.
4: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
9: G'day,
1: Millie Bell here with this week's social media roundup Vicky Berry contacted us with a message for Old Grey Whiskers she said it takes a hell of a lot to make everyone, anyone smile when they're stuck in a traffic jam in Stevenage at Aww. 7.30 a.m. on a wet Wednesday morning. But thanks to your call in on last week's podcast, I was laughing so hard I nearly steered off the road. Okay, admittedly that result in and very original hand signals the from hell? the town's motorists, which I don't remember seeing in the highway code. But it was absolutely worth it. Thank you for cheering up my morning no end. Vicky, thank you so much for calling... Uh, for contacting us that was really lovely uh we also talked about the day when uh we were waiting for the farm machinery to be fixed and the rain to stop and everybody was standing there raring to go and we were expecting air to get a call from tim to say drop everything we have something urgent and very dodgy we have to do blanche Dupig said yes i was sure he'd faked the wheel to nip off for dodgy dealing rita maynard said oh this is going to end so bad i they get a job dumping toxic waste in Jenny Darling's front Jenny Darling's front garden and Fiona Crawford said totally scriptwriters keeping us on our toes and Kelvin hard said this is definitely going to happen now it didn't happen that day but we have money on it happening don't we everyone We also talked about something because I thought it was a bit unusual for someone with no legal or mediation or union training to represent a workplace dispute. It seemed like a risky strategy to me, um, and uh, I wondered if that was usual. Maybe it's just not so usual here in uh, Australia. And uh, Sandy Lickin said, I represented myself at an employment tribunal on one, so go Jazza. Pete Leggins said, if the business owner understood employment law or had a modicum of common sense, I'd say it was a risky strategy. But this is Bridge Farm we're talking about. And Bridget Deutsch (laughs) said, I think he is trying to stop Jazza being out of pocket, paying for a law case he might well lose. Yet, look, I think all of those are very legitimate responses. I just was really, really surprised that it was all so casual. And then that Jim went into that straight away. I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. But, you know, what do I know? We then got to talking about Will's emotional intelligence, which is seriously underdeveloped. And we wondered how he's going to reconnect with Mia after the outburst. And Caroline Puntis said, I've just caught up on last night's episode. That clearly crossed the line into emotional abuse. I cheered when I heard Mia asking her dad to pick her up. She's best off away from the horrible Will. Grieving is not an excuse. I just thought that that lack of self-control... With a small child, and she is a small child, she's a young child, was inexcusable from a parent. Um, I understand that we all lose our temper from time to time and that he has emotional needs, but to just lay that emotional outburst on her, I just thought it was appalling. And Denise Ann Smallwood also said he treats her as if she was the housekeeper and nanny. She's a child, not his drudge. He has hurt her so badly, she may never recover. He's so self-absorbed and Carrie is his enabler. <gasps> You're right, Denise, he is self-absorbed, mm. but Carrie is his enabler. Yeah. Alex Townsend said, well, there are no words. I've always been team Ed. As much as I love Clary, I cannot but help feeling she has somehow cemented in both of their upbringings the idea that domestic drudgery is something only to be entertained by womenfolk. And men need not bother about such emotion, uh, such." matters and we also talked about Jolene the master manipulator um, I was confused because she seems to be the financially savvy one and she knows the debts that they need to repay and I said does she seriously think her currency in popularity popularity is such a good cash cow John Kelston Merritt said she's done very little so far to pay back David's loan considering she's 50% liable that's actually a good point John And Fiona Siobhan Powell said she's not going to make it. Her voice is barely okay. There are many session singers whose voices are incredible, really incredible, who make an okay living but don't usually get either famous or anywhere near rich. I know this because I know some of them. Even the incredible Darlene Love took years and years to get any fame or solid career. And her voice is as good as Aretha Franklin's. If your voice is mediocre, sorry, but Jolene's is, you stand no chance. And there was lots and lots more in that vein. That was a really great discussion we had there. Uh, Witherspoon has also posted up an art post for this week, which has attracted some interest. And... Uh, Dave Richardson would like to speak to Royfield about the fact that he never thought he'd have to suspend his listening of an archer's based podcast to avoid potential Avengers Endgame spoilers. (laughs) He had to whip his ears out pretty quickly today. Well, I hope you didn't get whiplash. So that was pretty well us this week. It was a great week for discussion on Facebook, as it uh, always is. So please come and join us. Uh, As you know, Yoko Bear will be in charge next week. And uh, he always has a bit of fun on the page. So I hope to speak to you the week after. And until then, I say to you, hooroo.
5: Mm. Hooroo. Ta-ra, Millie Bell. Have you seen Avengers Endgame yet? You yeah, haven't, have you? I don't no. know why I asked. I'm not I'll going to. I don't what know, you know what's going on. Mirror headphones. Yes. Headphones. Headlines. Mirror headphones. <laughs> headphones. <laughs> headphones. Have you bought, have you, have... I've obviously got No, not yet. I'm still using Tilly's.
9: Oh, okay. All right.
5: Uh, oh, well. When do hits you hit us with, with uh, some mirror headlines, Lucy? <clears throat> okay,
6: this is a slow burn. Loch Ness Monster spotted in the Bristol Channel by pub goers.
5: <laughs> <laughs> How's Nessie got all the way down there? <laughs> I think the key
6: word is the word pub in there. Anyway, um, I, I, do you want tweets of the week? Go on then. Andrew Horn. So Bridge Farm has a maturing room then. Shame Pat and Tone didn't lock Tom in it years ago. Absolutely. Yay. Anna Kenyon. Freddie's hastily organised tour is one of the most annoying things to ever have happened on this programme. And if it is successful, I will not be answerable for my actions. Quite right. Um, Ian, Ruth Ian. Tom, this article is terrific. It gives you a real sense of you and Natasha as a couple of twats. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sally Annerley. <laughs> Sally Annerley. Whilst Tom is screwed up and heartbroken, I'm hoping Kirsty is hiding behind every wall, bush, <laughs> every wall, bush, and corner, pissing herself laughing. <laughs> I think she probably be. And Tweet of the Week. Uh, this is the single most English tweet I have ever, ever read. It is from Treasonable Sarah, Ooh. Sarah Mattox, mm-hmm. and it is. This is about Jolene. I had my midlife crisis in Waitrose. It lasted 10 minutes and did not require <laughs> professional <laughs> photography or singing. <laughs>
5: I do wonder where this whole Jolene thing is going because it, it, it it's taken up a lot of airtime. Yeah, and, and it's um, kind of... Yes.
6: It's against character because she's always been... It's against type because she's always been fairly sort of... Been
1: grounded. She's been
6: the, the... Yeah, and she's been the one that's calmed Kenton down and then there's this sudden reversal mm. where, you know, he's saying we can't afford this. And I know she thinks that... Um, She's, you know, she's going to, um, uh, uh you know, ch- ch- change their fortunes with this session singing. But as the as the, the Facebook arena just said, as as Millie Bell said, you know, there are lots of people who are really, really good who barely scrape a living, and um, mm. you know, yeah. <sighs> anyway, but she's making yeah. people not like her, which is really listeners are going off the character, which is quite hard because she's always been. You know, she's always been a good laugh. I found a favorite. Yeah, yeah,
5: absolutely. Mm. Um, there was something else I was gonna um, going to say. Go through those tweets again, just just very quickly. I had a thought, and then it went out of my head. What did What did Andrew Horn say first off? What was he? Andrew on about? Said,
6: hang on. Oh, for God's sake, the thing's shut down. Um. He said about the maturing room. Mm-hmm. Was that it? That the maturing was it. room. That was it. Yeah,
5: I'm. I'm going to, and maybe I'm revealing too much about my own personal history here, um, but I have felt a certain level of uh, sadness for Tom because there is that moment when you think that your your relationship, a significant relationship, like. You, know, you are married, doesn't matter for how long, um, is over. And you are terrified of telling people because you're embarrassed. You're scared, but mm. also you're embarrassed. And I've had that, you know, and, and yeah. you hide it from people for for a time. And, and it's an extremely human. And I think maybe men suffer from it more than women, maybe, because we are oh, – you, you, generally we don't we don't talk and emote the way that uh, women do generally not not all of us
6: and it's also that so you like we, to we've... present in a certain way and you don't want to have to
5: absolutely absolutely mm. and you know he thought he was a married man and it and traditionally it gives you some level of standing in the wider community you're a couple you're an item
6: but to have your wife leave you after 10 days I mean I mean you know you could you could you could be the world's most self-confident man and you still feel a bit shifty about a bit in that wouldn't you
5: no no exactly exactly and one of our I, can't, I think it was a caller in iner said, you know, um, you know, go tell, go tell Pat or whatever. But I completely understand why why you wouldn't. But also, he's he's thinking that it might not be over, and we don't know if it is. Mm. We suspect yeah. that it is, but we don't know. So there is yeah. also that. So you don't want to say to people, "My marriage is over," then she comes back the next day. So there is also yeah. that element, but also there's just the the crushing shame. You just think. I'm an idiot yeah. and I'm, people are going to be yeah. laughing at me. And it's incredibly yeah. human. And, and when it was, I'm not yeah, necessarily it the has best go, example you know, here. This is
6: exactly what happened to Kirsty.
5: No, listen, exactly. No, 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 no. I'm not saying, oh, poor poor Tom in, in that yeah. regard. I'm just saying the emotion that he's going, going through um, is understandable. You know, he brought it on himself. He didn't know this woman from a hole in the wall and he got married to her in, in you know, in no time at all. Yeah. You know, not knowing her family, her true moods, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. So he's just whipped up, you know, whipped along with yeah. the whole endorphin rush of somebody new. Put put that to one side. Whether you've been with somebody for five minutes and it's probably more ex- you could argue that it's even more embarrassing if you've only been with somebody for five minutes and married and then it's over or with somebody for 15 years or for 50 and it's over. There is a time when you're just embarrassed to admit failure because that's how it feels. Yeah. You know, and anybody that's been through a long committed relationship, not about dating where it's two or three days and you kind of shrug you know, you know, you, you shrug off those feelings and stuff where you feel you're committed to somebody and then you have failure you don't want to tell people or at least men struggle to be more honest about it and as you're completely right and probably with a finger pointed at me when you said this lucy you you present a certain way and you don't want to admit that you're not how you are presenting that's exactly how i felt anyway yeah. dumb com. go there folks It's has sharp. it's awesome People are buying stuff at the shop, they're buying mugs, they're buying t-shirts, they're buying uh, teas all that are long in the body. They're buying all manner of kit and caboodle. That's bears the slogan, the legend, Dumb tea, dumb You can have it on your bum if you buy a pair of pants, you can have it across your tits if you buy a t-shirt <laughs> and if you're a woman type person. It can say Dumb T-Dumb across your or area. Uh... Go there, folks. Go. Just, just buy this dish It's really good. Um, like all manner of colors, sizes, and sizes, sizes, and shapes Shashes. of uh, clothing <laughs> are, are available from our store. So go to www.dumdydum.com forward slash shop. Go buy the stuff because it's awesome. By the way, whilst we're here, um, if you have bought a ticket, for Dumbly for Dum, which was supposed to have been the eleventh of May. Um I think you, you you will have got an email, should have got an email from the Birmingham Town Hall. It is valid for the 9th of November. And what's been lovely is how understanding everybody has actually been. Oh, and you thank know people you. have actually says, you know what, yeah, just no worries, I'm gonna come in November. Um oh, tickets will formally all go on sale anyway, November's from- rubbish.
6: Uh, Everyone needs cheering up in November. It's just awful.
5: Anyway, so as I was saying, right, before I was rudely interrupted, <laughs> right, tickets will go on sale from dum-de-dum uh, via dum-de-dum.com in the next two weeks. And um, I'm really sorry, I really need to apologize to the people that booked dinner, which is a bit of an adjunct uh, from the BBC studio tour. But in the last week, so many people emailed me and said, right, Can I hold my dinner reservation but move it to November? So many people do that, and I know even – within dum people sold their dinner reservations to each other and it was so confusing that what we can't do <laughs> you can't um, you just can't block book in so many spaces in november in in restaurants it's kind of an impossibility and especially there's so much confusion that literally at the last moment i just refunded everybody their five pounds and says look um go hang out go somewhere but it just wasn't right <laughs> I had no idea to tell the venue how many people were going to turn up it could have been five it could have been 15 I had no idea so I really do apologize to those people that bought their, their dinner reservation uh, tickets for the picture and piano that literally on the Friday I just thought I had to throw my hands up and just say this is just too complicated but this will not happen in November and to all those people that says Roy we'll just push it I'll just book for in November. I really understand that, but it wasn't right and proper because I don't know where we're going to actually be able to book in November. So I just thought, look, have your money back, and we'll sort it out closer to the time. So the tickets will go on sale in two weeks' time for Dum Dum Live. Give me um, another couple of months, and then we'll sort out the venue uh, for dinner because that's a really important com- component of the whole kit and caboodle. And we'll also have another BBC tour. Right, so that's that. Uh, Lucy, is there anything in red that you want to say? I'm not even looking at the script.
6: Uh, yes, to get in contact with us, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, or you can call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message.
5: And I will give a shout out to Patreon. Patreon is the. Uh, platform the website you can go to help support our show quite simply go to patreon.com and you can donate two dollars a show to get extra content when we have it and what we're going to do and i think i said this last week but i didn't get around to doing it we're going to do a roll call of patreon subscribers but also with people that have written a review for us in the last um, the last few months we like to do that two or three times a year, just to thank people uh, for supporting us. However, you can support us because not everybody can support, uh, can afford two dollars per show. So, if you've written a review on Apple iTunes or if you're a Patreon supporter, uh, we're gonna, your name will be mentioned on this podcast uh, next week. Uh, on social media, specifically Twitter, you can find myself. And Lucy at Dumpty Dum, which really is Yokel Bear. Uh, and you can find Yokel Bear, <laughs> not masquerading as Dumpty Dum, at Yokel Bear on Twitter. Lucy is at... Uh, Lucy V Lucy Freeman. Lucy V Freeman. And I can be found at Royfield. And, of course, there is Naked Fingers into the mix, too. And then on Facebook, if you talk in Dumpty Why did you Dumpty just repeat Dum, my uh, name? Because there was too much of a gap. Oh wait, sorry. So okay. I just said it for you. Yeah, right. I just okay. thought we need to wrap this thing up and you're just dragging it okay. out. You know, sorry. I'm I'm doing like a Game of Thrones ending to this epic <laughs> podcast. and just wrapping things up with unseemly haste. You know. I'm sorry, uh, can I just tell you something course, very
6: funny that's just happened? Tilly has just text. my daughter go. has just text messaged me. It was her first day of GCSEs today. And um uh, so, all positive thoughts in her direction will be gratefully received. Uh, and uh, she did RE, and she just came out and said, Mum, the, G- the RE GCSE was unbelievably hard. Where was Jesus then, eh? She said.
3: <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure she's
6: got quite the right attitude, but anyway. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry,
5: carry on, Royfield. No, no. Uh I, I I will, but but thank you for that <laughs> little uh, comic interjection. Um uh, what did I say? If you type if you just type in DumDy Dum on, on Facebook, you get DumDy Dum on Facebook. It's as simple as that. I can't tell you more. So if you're on Facebook, type in DumDy Dum to get Dumpty Dum on Facebook. Oh yes, oh my god. Right. Why what? the hell I've waited so long to say this. Right. We have a new app, folks. We have a new app.
6: Oh yes, quite is that, that simply, thing I signed up to?
5: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I did tell you to. Now, um, it's in the show notes. There's no point me reading out a big, long URL. Number one, I'm dyslexic. And number two, uh, you won't figure it out. Look in the show notes for this show. And there is a link uh, for where you can basically click on it on your mobile phone. And it will take you to your download store and it can download this app and it takes you through to it. Basically, it's a dumby dum chat room. So I am I know I've been threatening it for quite some time. I'm going to switch off the forum this week. Um, The app seems to be working quite well. It's much more immediate than the forum and it's just in your pocket isn't it so you can talk about dumby dumb related stuff like who stole the bunting you can talk about dumby dum the podcast Tom and natasha non archers related stuff and general Archer's chat it's on a little flack oh, a little flack it's on a little app called flick uh, but the look at the link the link is going to be in the show notes here just click on it join it. Have some fun. Chat to other dumby dummers all around the world. Me and Christiane have been having little chats. Bob uh, from Canada's on there too. Audrey-Anne. Um, oh, Catherine, Catherine Rowan-Jones. I'll see if she has a fan club. As people Is Andy of, from Denmark Is her favorite called quarter-innerer. Not yet. Not yet, Andy. <sighs> Mum and Dad on I'll talk to him there. when he but, joins. I mean, you're you're yes. already on there, Lucy. You've I enjoyed. mean, I'll
6: talk to him when he comes on, yes.
5: But you can't say that because all the other listeners are going to say, what am I, chopped liver? Why is he so special?
6: <laughs> because I need to check done his my own. hat obviously. on
5: there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and Vicky C, I presume is Vicky. Co- oh, my Vicky Cole's on there. I'm going to say hello to Vicky. Anyway, so look in the show notes of this episode. Click on the link and just go join it and have some fun, will you? You miserable lot. Anyway, that's the end of me. It's been a stunning <laughs> Dum-de-dum. It's been a tour de force, Lucy. It's been They're long. Uh, the, it has been long, but worth it. Long, but worth it. Yes. We've, we've schooled people, not only on the Archers, but also on the town, town planning climbing. disaster, those Birmingham yeah. city centre. What else we touched on?
6: Game of Thrones.
5: Oh, You'll yeah. you notice yeah, all yeah, a the segues have been yours. Uh, hello. You threw in Tilly. <laughs> Right at the end.
6: Only right at the end, and it was very quick. And actually,
5: t- t- to be fair to me and my scatological brain, it was you that took me on to Birmingham scatological? by... Scatological? Basically, yeah, I'm all over Royfield. the place. You know I am.
6: Scatological mm-hmm. means poo. Scatological means poo.
5: I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I know.
6: brain not scatological brain.
5: No, that was actually a deliberate malapropism. That was actually deliberate, really? that one. Yes. You never said anything about poo, did you? No, I've got shit for brains, Lucy. Oh. Oh. Okay. God, when you have to explain it. pun. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, (laughs) it was you that took me on to talking about Birmingham because you were deriding the good burgers of that town.
6: I wasn't, well, no, the people are said, lovely, it
5: was the road system is you said, challenging. You said there's this rough as arseholes, a uh, 70-year-old woman Only with a tattoo one? up I her neck. I was going to
6: of. they were all like that.
5: So why didn't you de- Why didn't you describe in glowing terms all the other people you met in Birmingham? Because they the weren't very funny, that you met. but the
6: woman putting the fag out with her bare foot was quite funny. <laughs> 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 all right.
5: All right. Anyway, that's me done. Right, I've defended my hometown while slagging it off uh, at the same time. <laughs> and uh, I'm just about going to go, I think. Okay, bye. If, if if my thought process is all over the place, what word should I use in future?
6: Scatterbrained.
5: All right, I prefer scatterlogical. <laughs> shit, shit coming out of my brain. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Tatty, bye. Bye-bye. Bye.